Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. In terms of what we're going to hit today, we'll, of course, hit our news, some player profiles that we've been doing uh, for the past few weeks. We've got plenty of news to get to um, on some Big Ten Network stuff, some hypothetical stuff, so plenty to touch on there. And then on the back half of the show, we have a brief interview with Justin Taphorn. He recently accepted a preferred walk-on with the Wisconsin basketball team, so we had him on to talk about his decision, his future in Madison, things like that. Uh, Very uh, brief interview, but a a very insightful interview on what Justin's looking for in his career at Madison. Uh, And then for our show later in the week, we're actually going to do a little bit of fun stuff. Drew, uh, myself, and Matt are going to do a – Essentially, dream road trip uh, for college football. Uh, we'll get into it, of course, the details more, but I think it'll be a fun episode. Essentially, what happens is we each pick uh, one game a week that we would go to. You can only use uh, the one team once in a season, uh, so it makes it a little difficult. I think we all had a lot of fun putting it together. Uh, you may have seen it on some other SB Nation sites kind of doing the same thing, but we're going to do it on the podcast, so look out for that later in the week. Uh, nice, fun episode. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, doing wonderful. I'm excited about this episode as well as the episode for later on this week because I know that that was something that you and I had each kind of done on our own uh, just as kind of a, a fun little thing, and it, it is challenging. So I'm, I'm excited to, to talk about that with you and Drew. But this episode, we've got a lot of news. That's, that's, yes. that's the big thing. Yes, we do. So hopefully you guys will enjoy it. It was difficult piecing that uh, thing together, and that just made me want to – do it even more. So nice little tease here, but uh, let's go ahead and hop into our news of the day. Here's what's happening. All right, Badger fans, we've got lots of news to talk about. Uh, some articles have been put out. Of course, we're almost to July, which for college athletics is generally the slowest month. You've got no football, no basketball, anything of that nature. Uh, all the other sports are pretty much shut down. You don't have a lot going on in the summer anyway. So a lot of these uh, outlets are, are putting out some hypothetical stuff, all-decade type stuff, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but I, I found this one this morning, which I found very interesting. Uh, 247 Sports named Wisconsin their eighth-ranked program uh, in their top 25 for college football programs for the last decade, which uh, I, I personally thought that was probably fair. But when you look at the list of teams, there's some really good programs. It just kind of speaks to uh, what Wisconsin's done over the last decade to – be a team that's in the top 10. I personally, you look at sometimes Wisconsin kind of gets underrated in some of these lists and things like that. So I've, I kind of expected to click on it and be a little upset by it, but I think eighth is a pretty fair assessment for what the Badgers have done for the last decade. But what did you make of that, Matt? Yeah, I, I think I think it's definitely fair. Um, I, I honestly think that if, if the Badgers were to get a get in my eyes, pushed one way or the other, like going up higher, like to get to the, like the five, six range, or if you drop down to like the um, nine, 10, 11 range, I think they'd be more likely to drop down. Uh, if anything, I think, uh, you know, I 
if you wanted to make a case, you could probably drop them uh, a spot or two. But I think eight is about, you know, the, the perfect landing spot. Um, you look at some of the teams in front of them. You've got Oregon, who's right in front of them, a team that has beaten Wisconsin when they faced off. So I, I think he, most fans would have a hard time fighting against that, regardless of maybe up and down seasons. Florida State, I mean, they won a national title. So that's it's one of those where I, there's a lot – to parse through because they've had some really challenging seasons, but there's only so many teams that have won a title in the past decade, and they're one of them. So I, I think overall they're in a, in a in the right space, but it does beg the question: uh, if you are a fan, would you rather have the one or two years where you are going for a title and then you might be a middling like seven eight win team, or would you rather have the consistency that Wisconsin's had, where you are winning? 10, 10 games in the vast majority of your uh, of your seasons, which Wisconsin has done. You know, you look back at the decade, and Wisconsin did not get 10 wins only three times, which is which is incredibly consistent. So I think for me, that's where you kind of got to um, as long as you have a baseline and you're consistent with it, I think it works, and I think eight makes a lot of sense. Yeah, most definitely. And then you look at, you know, teams that the, the Badgers are ahead of. You know, I, I was surprised even with Georgia at nine uh, for the Badgers to be in front of them. I know Georgia has had a, a really nice run of recent, but you have to look at the full decade, and I think that's where Wisconsin really stands out, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, the three seasons that they didn't hit to ten wins, that's that's hard to do. Uh, of course, winning national titles is incredibly difficult to do, and that's why some of these programs like the Florida State uh, you know, is up in that despite some struggles the last four seasons or so. Uh, but you can definitely make a case uh, for the Badgers in that eight range. And I think it's a, a nice testament to where Wisconsin's at right now uh, in terms of consistently on the field, you know, getting to that 10-win that mark. You almost can always peg the Badgers in for that, uh, you know, 70% of the time in this last decade. And you should kind of expect that every year. But now – I think the another, next thing to look at is where where the Badgers are going to be in this next decade because you see uh, everything going really well on the recruiting front, of course. All these schools in this top 25 do well in the recruiting front that way, but the Badgers, if they can improve on an eight mark, will hopefully mean you know in contention for some pretty big games. I'm not going to say that the Badgers are going to win a national championship in the next decade, but that's kind of where expectations are, are trending based on you know how they've done on the field and how they're starting to do on the recruiting front. So now I, I think the thing to also look at is is what they do in this next decade, and that'll be interesting to see. No doubt, because you look at it, and there's around that area that the Badgers are, there's a lot of teams that are kind of trending in directions. You know, you look at Auburn, they've got Bo Nix, they won a title. They have been a team that are is it's either boom or bust, basically. You know, they had a 3-9 and nine season that led to um, – Gene Chizik getting out of there, getting ousted, and then you you look at them with Cam Newton winning a national title and multiple 10-win seasons. So, uh, and they were at 10. So you could even argue that they could be a team that could pump up ahead of the Badgers. But Georgia, like you mentioned, they're a team that is recruiting out of their minds. You know, you look at Oregon, same thing. But then you also look at a team who was a few slots behind them in Stanford. And they're going in the completely opposite direction. They have really struggled these past few seasons. They kind of have gone away from what had worked for them, which was, you know, a ground and pound attack similar to Wisconsin, where they um, really killed their killed it in the trenches. And, and that's what Oregon's now doing. And you see Stanford now going more of an air raid uh, pass attack. So it's 
it is fascinating to see how this risk might change um, over the next 10 years, but it'll also probably stay fairly similar based off of a lot of these teams as well because there is a tradition now for most of these teams. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, you look at the top five, LSU, you know, uh, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and, you know, that wasn't the order they were in, but all five of those you expect to uh, continue to be in that mix, and I, I think are heavy favorites to be in there. But which teams, you know, when we look 10 years in the future, uh, which teams rise and which teams fall will be really interesting to see. So hopefully uh, 247 uh, is turning one of those out in uh, 2030. But we've got a little bit of time uh, to wait until then. All right, our next piece of news, uh, kind of both of them surrounding the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, Morehouse College, which is a Division II college, uh, canceled their football season last week, which is significant because it's the first scholarship program to cancel a season. I know there was uh, a game at the Division One, uh, you know, the Southern Heritage Classic, I believe it's called. I'm not sure if that's the exact name. They canceled the game, but this Morehouse College is the first to cancel a full season. Uh, with scholarships, it's even more, you know, how you're going to work through that. But it's definitely not something that you want to hear uh, if you're uh, expecting college football in the fall to see this happen. Uh, you, you want everybody to be playing. Of course, we don't know if that's possible. We know it's trending that way, but definitely significant news. So what did you make of uh, that announcement from them? I, I think it, it is important uh, across the, the college landscape just because we see everything that's going on with coronavirus across the country. There's a lot to unpack with that. Um, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but at the same time, if you look at it, I think this is – coming down to less about the coronavirus, but more about the financial impact that is uh, happening for most uh, smaller schools because of coronavirus. You look at Morehouse College, it's a smaller school, they do do scholarships, but you look at even some of the lower tier FBS, FCS teams who are a step up from them and kind of how they're going to have to navigate the finances of this and the and being fiscally responsible and while also making sure that, hey, we still have a program and still going to be able to bring in top-tier talent for two years from now. Because if you shut down your program for a year, it's really hard to kind of keep that going uh, and keep that flywheel moving for other years. So I, I think it's definitely notable because the financial limitations that it's going to put on some of these lower teams – that are having to make decisions about testing, making decisions about making sure that everything is is going through. Testing isn't cheap. A lot of these things that um, teams are having to do for the safety of their weight rooms and staffing isn't cheap. So it, it's it's definitely noteworthy in my eyes. What did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, anytime you know, anytime there's stuff canceled because of you know this surrounding everything that's going on, it's definitely significant because when you looked at a few weeks ago, I, I can't remember the exact episode, but we both were talking about, you know, college football kind of starting and hopefully without a hitch. And now all of a sudden, uh, with a recent spike and everything like that, you it, it's still, you know, I know the NCAA has approved a plan, and of course we hope that everything goes off, but some of these colleges are having to make tough decisions. And of course, if you're in the Big Ten, financially you don't worry about it as much, but if you're a, you know, a you know, a Southern school like that or a Sunbelt school, you know, smaller schools and these smaller conferences, that cost of, of maintaining, of course, the safety of the players, which you worry about the most, is going to be significant. I know there's been talks of other small schools maybe following suit, and I know there's some that have 
talked about even having to cancel uh, you know, or move conferences because uh, of the travel cost, and you know, now they're incurring other costs. So the financial parts of it uh, are definitely interesting to watch, but I think how we see you know, how Morehouse College uh, bounces back in the future uh, is going to be interesting because they're kind of the first one to you know, go ahead and you know, make that executive decision. Uh, so I, I think they made the decision in the best interest of their institution and their players, but it's definitely going to be interesting to watch how, how it impacts the rest of college football going forward and, and how, of course, it impacts their program. All right, our next piece of news, kind of going off of that a little bit, uh, still college football related, still uh, pandemic related, and that's uh, the, the recruiting period, which we've talked about a little bit before, uh, essentially right now is in a dead period. So no face-to-face visits, anything like that, and that's been extended through the end of August, uh, which, again, I know it's, it's hard to figure out what that means, but it's significant. Uh, I know a lot of players have been wanting to, of course, get on campus, uh, see see the places that they're considering, and now that's essentially uh, another month on top of the already dead period that was in place. So definitely a, a lot of ripple effects from that decision, but uh, what did you make of uh, that decision by the NCAA? I, I think it's, it's big for any player who is really banking on trying to see places in person prior to making a decision before their senior season because we know that a lot of kids try to make their decision before their senior year, they want to get the um, pop and circumstance out of the way. They want all that to be pushed aside so they don't have anything pulling them away from their um, home high schools that they can focus on their game. Uh, but, but I mean, the big thing here is one noteworthy part of this is that the, there is a dead period in August from the 1st through the 31st. Unless you are already having um, a game, then you can have a player on campus for an official visit then. But uh, what's the big thing here is there was some talk and there's some chatter of, of people pushing for potentially a change to allow um, uh, visits in August, and, and that was struck down. So basically uh, anything, uh, you know, you look at a player like R.J. Reagan. He has wanted, said he wanted to make a decision in September, but that he was also hoping to go see some schools. Wisconsin's been the prohibitive favorite here for a while in his recruitment, and I think this is something that not only just helps the Badgers in this in this situation, but then there's going to be other players where it might not help them. You know, it definitely probably helps them with a kid like Nolan Rucci as well, who which I, I think everybody is is wanting uh, within uh, the Badger program. So I, I think it's it's noteworthy because it takes away visits from a lot of players. It also makes it so that coaches can't get out on the road and see players. Um, uh, for an extended period of time. So I think overall it's it's not a huge shift because that time was already going to be a dead period, but I think it's, it's more when you compound it with the t- amount of time, like you mentioned beforehand, that's been taken away. It, it makes it really tough for both recruits and for uh, coaches who are attempting to recruit individuals and get the best uh, players on their team as they can. Yeah, it's, it's definitely significant. You know, I like that you mentioned – uh, some of these guys' decisions, uh, you know, when we talk to any any prospect or recruit uh, that comes on the show, uh, usually when they've had that decision out of the way, you, they, they mention, you know, a sense of relief. They can focus on high school football. They can focus on just taking care of that and, and taking care of school and getting ready. The decision's out of the way. And now you're going to have situations where you're not necessarily going to have that. So uh, there's definitely in some situations, like you said, where it helps. But on the other side of the, the same coin, it, it certainly hurts uh, some of these people because 
Wisconsin, one of their big recruiting pitches, getting them on campus, uh, showing them the beautiful city of Madison, the campus, the culture, everything like that, which is great. And now you're, you're probably not going to have that for some guys because uh, who knows if it gets you know extended beyond that. So uh, definitely significant on the recruiting front, which I know Wisconsin has done very well in this 2021 class of late, and there's some other guys that they still want to land, but uh, definitely impactful as they go forward. All right, speaking of recruiting, uh, and we already kind of mentioned this in terms of the basketball front, uh, Justin Taphorn, who we did mention, will be on the show later, uh, a short interview with him, accepted a preferred walk-on to UW. Um, Essentially, another player on the roster, second preferred walk-on, along with Carter Gilmore, uh, nice for the Badgers to get. You, of course, need guys like that. But uh, what did you make of Justin ha- Taphorn and his uh, decision to come to Madison? I, I think it's uh, big on a couple different levels. One, that means that there is a, another walk-on that is either leaving or has graduated or something like that, that there would be an open spot for him. Um, additionally, uh, you look at kind of what he did in high school he, he was a good shooter. That's kind of his bread and butter, good shooter, um, kind of a catching catch and shoot kid. He, he's not going to put the ball on the, the floor too much and really try to make a dent and blow by people, but he can uh, shoot nicely. Um, he's really good at, at from the corners, both at three point from three point range as well as um, um, inside the um, paint. So I, I think you look at him and I see basically another Michael Ballard, uh, a kid who like um, Taphorn, grew up in Illinois, was a 10-point scorer in high school, a game-type guy who could shoot, but um, isn't is going to be a, a solid contributor at the practice level, probably not going to be um, a kid who's going to be uh, a starter at any time in his career, but at the same time uh, a great shooter that can, can give you the looks you want in practice and, and potentially um, later in games or if you – uh, are needing a, a zone buster uh, later in his career, and he, he kind of rounds out some of the other places of this game, he, he could help them out in that aspect. Yeah, I, I like the way you mentioned, you know, I know, of course, when you're playing high school basketball, you, you want to be you know recruited to be the star player, things of that nature, but that doesn't always work out for anybody. But in Justin's situation, he can certainly come and, and have a big impact in, in whatever role he's thrust into, and you know, maybe he develops even further and he, he gets some significant time. Uh, Wisconsin is a place that does pretty well with walk-ons, both in, in football and basketball, which uh, he mentioned in the interview was part of uh, what kind of helped his decision along. He, he definitely took that into consideration. Uh, so definitely a guy, a guy that you need to have. You need to have players that can that are willing to come in and maybe not get the glory that you get from a kid like Demetri Trice, you know, star, point guard, uh, played his whole career. You, you, you need the Demetri Trices of the world, and you need guys that are going to come in and, and hustle and, and, who knows, maybe make an impact further than anybody expected. But uh, if there's a place for you know to do that as a walk-on, Wisconsin's certainly one of them. So uh, significant news, and uh, we're, we were really excited to have him on. I think he was a great interview, and nice to talk a little basketball because we haven't done that in quite a while. Yeah, it has been a while to, since we've done that. Uh, also with, with uh, basketball was uh, Frank Kaminsky was named the top player from the decade, uh, according to Big Ten Network. I know on our last podcast we talked about Ethan Happ and Kaminsky both uh, making the list of, of 
BTN's all-decade basketball team, um, Hap as uh, a second-teamer, Kaminsky as a first-teamer, but then Kaminsky was, was given the honor as, as the top player of overall from the decade. Uh, what did you make of that announcement from BTN? You know, I, I wasn't surprised by it. I think he was definitely going to be you know one of those top guys. Of course, there was a lot of great players uh, in this decade, but I think Badger fans, we all know kind of the story of, of Frank Kaminsky and where he went. I just, I think back to earlier in his career, you know, the, the first couple of years of him on campus, kind of undersized, scrawny, you know, kind of a bench roll type guy. And then uh, that game against North Dakota, which he kind of talked about in his interview with Big Ten, is where, with the Big Ten Network, is kind of where he kind of hit his stride. And then the next two seasons, you know, that season and the following one were incredible to watch. I mean, he wasn't just a kid that, uh, could do one thing, you know, we talked about Ethan Happ, a guy that was not one-dimensional, but uh, he had the strengths of his game, and it was, you know, in the paint uh, and, and, and on the block and on that nature. Frank Kaminsky could do it all, and, uh, of course, he led some uh, pretty magical runs for the Badgers, uh, you know, back-to-back Final Fours, uh, just a ton of fun. I think most Badger fans look at that time period with a ton of nostalgia, so I was really happy to see Frank get that award, and I know there's a lot of good guys that were, you know, kind of in contention, but I think it makes sense and fits for him to get that spot. What did you think? Yeah, I, I think he was probably the most deserving player uh, in, in there, just because he was he was a two-way guy, which Ethan Happ was too. Where Kaminsky was was dominant on offense, but he was also very good on defense, and he was a threat at seven feet to to kind of anchor down that lane and, and keep guys away from the rim. Additionally, you look at um, helping his team, like you said, to back-to-back Final Fours, as well as a national championship appearance and, and a Naismith Trophy. I think he, he definitely has the strongest resume out of any of the players. Um, I, I, he might not have had the same NBA, quote-unquote, upside that a lot of the players who came out of the conference had, but he, he was definitely at the collegiate level the, the most talented player that uh, had done it you look at just the simple fact that in the Big Ten there wasn't a, a lot of other teams that made made a push to Final Fours, made the, the push to national titles, other than that uh, once for Michigan State and once for Michigan. And and it's, it's just telling of what um, he was able to help do and elevate the program and, and how important he was to Wisconsin basketball. So I, I think he definitely was uh, deserving of that uh, honor. Yeah, most definitely. I have to agree with you. Uh, and kind of going off of that same uh, wavelength, uh, BTN also released their all-decade team on the football side. And Jonathan Taylor, uh, I believe it was this morning that it was announced, uh, was named to that uh, that team along with Saquon Barkley as a running back. And that's, that's pretty significant when you think about uh, the running backs that the Big Ten has had over this decade. You know, with, with Barkley and Taylor being named, that's, you know, snubs guys like, Ezekiel Elliott or Melvin Gordon, uh, a lot of great running backs have came through the Big Ten this past decade, but I think those two, uh, I would have to agree, were the most special, but there's been a lot of good ones. So what did you make of JT getting that nod as well? Yeah, I, I think definitely deserving. You look at kind of what he did, uh, got the nod with with Saquon, two really talented guys. Uh, Rutgers is probably crying in a corner right now because they had them, had them both at one point committed, but um, I, I just think you look at what he did over his three-year career, and it's he's pretty much untouchable in term compared to any other of the other backs in in the conference. You know, you look at a guy like Melvin Gordon, where he had 
uh, a single season that was just bonkers where he ran for just an absurd amount of yards and and um, probably would have been a, a higher Heisman candidate if it wasn't for Marcus Mariota also putting up video game numbers. But but I think just the consistency that, that JT brought to the table, the, his blend of size and, and quickness to go with that sprinter speed and his balance, just he was the the uh, perfect package for a Big Ten running back, and, and Wisconsin definitely used him. So I, I think it's definitely uh, well-earned uh, by him, and it, there's not many guys who can say they won back-to-back Doak Walker Awards for the best running back in the country, and uh, he, he's got that. His uh, his mantle is well-endowed with some trophies. Almost definitely. Uh, I think both of those guys, uh, and I think back to the Big Ten Championship game and those two squared off, I don't know if I expected both of them to be uh, you know, to go on to just the successful careers, you know, you know, JT being the, the following season, uh, and of course, Barkley, you know, putting up huge numbers in the NFL, and I think, uh, you know, as Badger fans, we both expect Jonathan Taylor to kind of do the same, but uh, I I was, I mean, I know there's other names that you could mention, but I, again, I don't think you can beat Jonathan Taylor's, you know, like you said, back-to-back Doak Walkers isn't something you can just uh, argue off for, or for a different guy, uh, and the model of consistency that Jonathan Taylor put together for three seasons is hard to argue. So I uh, think he's very well deserving, and you know I don't I think they would name an All Decade player as well. I don't know if Jonathan Taylor will get that, but he'll certainly be in that conversation. Yeah, I would I would assume that he would be a, a guy that will get some get some run in that. I'm guessing it'll go to a quarterback um, most likely, but you never know in, in these regards. But Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley, I mean, it's kind of like the Spider-Man uh, meme where they're just pointing at each other. They're, they are both just super cut up and tremendous athletes, super strong, super physical, but then they both run like 4-4. So they're, those, are, those are two studs that definitely are deserving of, of those awards. And you look now at uh, both teams, and you, both teams have a lot of different running backs that they're turning to right now. Uh, with Penn State with Journey Brown and, and crew, and Wisconsin's going to have Nikia Watson and Garrett Groshek and a whole host of other guys vying for um, committee approaches to it. So it tells you they, there's a, there's been a difference in, in what those two are when you look at what it's been since those guys um, have been at Wisconsin and at Penn State. Yeah, most definitely. Special talents that uh, I, I'm sure <laughs> – I like that you mentioned the Rutgers because I'm sure – uh, I'd love to see where Rutgers would have ended up if they landed both of those guys. They have to be kicking themselves, but uh, they probably would have run like six more games over that time <laughs> because they probably would have misused them or something. They would have misused them. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. Anything else you want to touch on news-wise? Otherwise, we'll get into some player profiles. Um, one thing was I was able to uh, talk with someone from UW and um, Andy Vujinovic. Uh, I did get confirmation that. Um, they are pursuing a waiver for him to be eligible next season, but that they're still awaiting decision. But um, you know, I, I know that there was a, it was talk that they would be likely going for a waiver, but they are in fact doing it, and that it's kind of just a waiting game at this point. It's good to add because I know we talked about that uh, probably a little while ago. Now I can't remember exactly what, but uh, I know someone asked about kind of the status of of Andy and that everything that's going on there. So uh, important to get confirmation of what's going on in terms of that. All right, let's kick it over to some returner player profiles. And I said kick it over because I wanted to start with a specialist, and that's Colin Larsh. Um, had a 
interesting season last year, pretty consistent, but uh, definitely some kicks uh, that, that you could will in. But what did you make of Kyle Marsh, and what do you expect from him uh, coming back uh, next season? I think the big thing is I'm hoping that he really comes into the year with confidence. He He's a kid who, who can make the kicks. We saw it in fall camp that he was pretty consistently making his kicks. It's it's just going to be one of those things where kicking is, is a position that oftentimes gets overlooked, but it's so crucial because you can win or lose games because of it. And you look at uh, games like the Illinois game or you look at games like the Oregon game and, you know, you make a field goal and those are very different games, very different uh, outcomes. And so while he had his moments last year, I think the consistency wasn't perfect. Uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody's going to be um, exactly perfect. Not everybody is. Um, Matt Davenport, kind of throwing it back to um, when I was a kid, and I do just never missed. It felt like so. I think Colin Larsh, uh, if he can just be some, be a little bit more consistent in 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 that, I think it would go a long way in helping this team because. Special teams was uh, kind of a thorn in the Badger side when it when it came to the games they lost, and and I think if if they can turn that in and he can have a really good season next year, um, I think it would go a long way in determining what kind of year that the Badgers could have. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you look at last year, uh, twelve of eighteen for field goals, definitely not uh, where they want to be. You, know, you got to make more than sixty six percent of your kicks and. I think overall, in terms of just special teams, I think the Badgers, uh, you know, we talked about it a lot during the season last year that they needed to be better. Of course, the kicking game starts with that, but that was last season. So hopefully, uh, like you said, Colin can come in and and be confident and and be a guy that can be more consistent because the Badgers are going to need it. Uh, You know, you saw uh, even struggles in the punting game. They're going to need to figure that out as well this year. So you want to have specialists that you, you don't have to worry about. And, of course, uh, I'm sure Paul, Chris, and the coaching staff, they're always worrying about something, but if you can take one less thing off their plate, uh, that would be great. So I think Colin Marsh is going to be a guy that the Badger fans are going to look to definitely have a better year, uh, You know, hopefully can you know take that 66 up quite a big notch uh, and, and make some more kicks because that can change a lot of different games like you already kind of mentioned. So uh, important to get that kicking consistency uh, in place. Yeah, for okay. sure. All right, our next profile uh, is for a guy that did have a very big impact on the season. Uh, that's defensive lineman and defensive end Matt Henningsen. Uh, just a fun kid to watch last year. Uh, really, really did a lot of special things for the Badgers. Uh, and I think, you know, we talked a lot about Keanu Benton already and, and Bryson Williams a little bit. But Matt Henningsen was a guy that was in the fold for a lot of different, uh, you know, games last season and made some plays when he was called upon. So, what did you make of Matt Henningsen, and what do you make of uh, his impact for the 2020 season? You you look back to two years ago when he was kind of thrusted into action as a walk-on uh, redshirt freshman, and he wasn't ready. Like, he just clearly was not ready, uh, wasn't physically there all the way, uh, but but he was out there, and he gained experience. And, and then you saw last year, and and uh, the work he put in the offseason, and it was a, a totally different player. He really looked like he belonged and, and, and proved it, you know, out there on the field. He had the best stats of anybody along that uh, defensive line. You know, you, you could say Isaiah Laudermilk, but you look at Henningsen with four sacks last year. You saw the two touchdowns with, and three fumble recoveries. He, he was busy, and he made a lot of plays. And I think 
he's a big reason for the depth that they have had on the defensive line. Uh, it, it's one thing to have a guy like Garrett Rand and a guy like Isaiah Loudermilk, a couple good nose tackles to turn to, but then you can hit on a walk-on who's super cerebral player. He is super smart. He might be the smartest guy on the entire team uh, that they can turn to and that he's he's uh, a benefit to them on the field. He he plays He's played in a lot of football games already. In, in two seasons, uh, he, he started almost every game last year. And then this past year, while he wasn't starting every game, um, he, he was getting spot starts and he was making an impact on the field. He started in five games last year. And I, I think you look at him and you look at what this defensive line is bringing back, and he's, he's going to be a guy that will only get better. You know, you, you see um, a lot of times the in-state kids, they come in with uh, with – kind of a, a higher ceiling, uh, but it takes time and it takes development. And the more time he's able to be in the weight room and, and really kind of focus in on that, the better he will be. And I think he's he's going to be a kid to really look out for these next two years. Oh, yeah, most definitely. going to be a guy that uh, is certainly in the fold uh, in a lot of, you know, Badger games coming up. I think uh, he's certainly going to be a guy that Badgers need and can rely on uh, in the future. Uh, not only this season, uh, but uh, you know, one after that. All right, our final returner player profile is for Duran Harrell, a kid that was in the starting lineup last year, a uh, really important kid uh, in terms of that, but kind of got replaced by some other guys, didn't uh, end up having a lot of stats or starts despite the uh, early season success. But coming back with a deep secondary, uh, what do you make of Duran Harrell uh, as he comes back this season? I'm excited to see what he what he brings and kind of where his mindset is. You can kind of tell that he he's a player with that just oozes potential. You look at what he brings to the table as a longer athletic corner, um, over six feet tall, and and he got the start the first two. Um, also started the Northwestern and the Kent State game, but then you kind of saw his confidence just wane as the season went on. Didn't see a lot of playing time. He also, I mean, he didn't suit up for some of the games later in the career or uh, later in the year because Caesar Williams kind of took over that spot. Rashad Wild Goose kind of took over that that nickel spot for sure, and then it was um, Samar Melvin kind of jumping on as the season wore on as well to to get some playing time. So Harold's a guy that I think if his confidence really just gets back to what it was at the beginning of the season, where he he looked the part. You know, he he's the guy that could easily replace Caesar Williams. Uh, after next year, and, and they kind of bring something similar to the field. So I, I think for him it's just rebounding nicely this year, getting his confidence back, getting those reps, um, and, and get prepared for 2021 when he could be the guy if he, he uh, does the things he needs to to, to get um, back in the rotation because he, he is talented. We saw what he did in fall camp, and, and he was locked down. He was looked really good, but then you saw basically – that Kent State game and that Northwestern game, he, he didn't look like he was the same player that we saw against Central Michigan and against USF. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch uh, how Duran Harrell bounces back this season, but definitely a guy that's going to hopefully be in the fold uh, to make an impact and you know, might be called upon uh, as the season wanes on. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up our portion of the show. Uh, stick around. We've got our interview here with Justin Taphorn uh, to round it out, and we'll be back with you guys later in the week for our fun uh, hypothetical road trip. So we're going to go ahead and kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our interview with Justin. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on 
a very special guest, Justin Taphorn out of Pekin, Illinois. He recently accepted a preferred walk-on spot with the Wisconsin basketball team. So we wanted to have him on to talk about his uh, decision, uh, talk about his future in Madison and things like that. So first of all, Justin, congratulations on the decision, and uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. So let's get right into your your game a little bit. Uh, of course, uh, there's a lot of things that we want to go over, but we always like to start our shows when we're talking to recruits or prospects or guys of that nature, uh, just on the, kind of on the strengths of your game. So what do you feel is some of the strong parts of your game on the court? Uh, I think it's definitely my shooting uh, threat behind the arc. Yeah, I mean you can you can definitely watch your your film and you've got a good uh, catch and shoot ability with that. Um, on the flip side, what are some things that you're looking to improve as you get ready to head to Madison? Uh, I'd say I'd say ball handling and defense. Uh, ball handling is kind of struggle for me, but uh, I hope to improve that. Certainly, Wisconsin will look to have you improve that uh, most definitely. As a, but as a senior, you know, in terms of your high school game, you average over 10 points a game, uh, seven rebounds and two assists per game. So definitely well-rounded in terms of on-the-court abilities. How do you feel that that will help your game uh, fit into Wisconsin's system? Uh, you know, Wisconsin is a very competitive school um, with a very competitive conference, and I, I hope to, uh, you know, uh, practice as a scout uh, for another team that is a, you know, good shooter. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be probably the main way that uh, um, Greg Gard would hope that you could be um, helpful as a um, practice contributor. Um, But you ultimately chose to attend Wisconsin over other opportunities, namely a a walk-on spot at Bradley University, which is, I mean, that's like right down the road from where you grew up. Um, what were the main reasons for you choosing Wisconsin? Uh, well, I, I loved both schools. Both both coaching staffs were very – they treated me very well, and they were both kind. And all They all treated me as scholarship players – scholarship player. Um, but I, I saw myself fitting best at Wisconsin. You know, the atmosphere, the competitive spirit. Uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, you certainly get that. I'm sure uh, at the Cole Center, that's definitely something to look forward to. But uh, you, you talked about the coaching staff and you know treating you with respect in that nature. Um, obviously, you've gotten to know Greg Gard and the rest of the staff. What has their kind of message been to you as you get ready to embark on this journey to Madison? Uh, way I took it is, you know, prepare for it. Uh, I'm going to be treated just like any other player, just you know, a different role. Um, and then how long have you been speaking with Coach Gard about um, this preferred walk-on option for you? Uh, I'd say about a month. It's, it's, it was a pretty last-second uh, thing. It, it was, I was very lucky that it happened. Yeah, but so going off that, have you had kind of the chance to visit Madison or attend a game at the Cole Center or anything like that? Uh, well, my uh, – my brother played for Northwestern, and uh, his uh, first game he started was at the Cole Center, and I, I got to sit right behind the bench. It's pretty wow. cool. So, so you've kind of seen it um, on both aspects, being um, you know an opposing fan, but then uh, you'll be coming in as obviously a Badger. So that's probably a cool experience for you and your family to kind of um, see that. Yeah. 
Uh, I was also able to uh, visit. I've got a we've got a family friend that took us on a visit. He was very nice. Uh, it was a very good visit. Uh, but due to the NCAA rules, I wasn't able to, you know, get with the coaches and get a real official visit. You know, walk-ons at Wisconsin have gone on to very successful careers, both on, you know, the football side and on basketball. Was that part of your decision to pursue UW, or was it more just you felt it was uh, a better fit in that aspect? I'd say both, honestly. I, uh, You know, I... I I'd love, I'd love to be on the team, um, but I also have a goal to maybe work my way up. You know, I'm, I'm not satisfied, but I'm, I'm also excited and grateful for the opportunity. Um, uh, kind of jumping on that, those goals, um, you plan to study kinesiology, uh, which is uh, a major that UW does very well. Um, outside of, you know, earning a degree, um, contributing uh, in a practice setting as well as hopefully getting in the game. What goals do you have for yourself in Madison? Um, you know, uh, I'd like to create connections with uh, great people like Coach Card. And, uh, see, I'm still undecided on what career I want to take, but as of now, I would like to be a, a physical therapist or athletic trainer. And I, I, I mean, I'd love to be an athletic trainer for a sports team, and I, I, I think that Wisconsin would be great for that. Those yeah, connections. Most, yeah, most definitely. I mean, you think of uh, Wisconsin; they do a tremendous job for yourself, and uh, hopefully in that field, and also on the basketball uh, court. So, uh, final question here, Justin: Anything you, any message you want to give to Wisconsin fans as you get ready to uh, head up, have to head up to Madison? Um. I do want to say, uh, I mean, I've been, I, I made the decision a couple of days ago, and I already feel very welcomed by the Wisconsin community, um, and I, I'm I'm very excited for these next four years. That's a great message to Badger fans. There you have it, Badger fans. Uh, Justin, we appreciate you taking the time. Um, I we wish you the best luck uh, as you get to campus and, and things of that nature. Thank you. I appreciate it. That wraps right. up another episode of the podcast. Uh, we'll be back with you later in the week on Wisconsin.